is the Youth Worker Collective podcast from Young People's Ministries. You don't have to be in ministry alone with resources, coaching, games, and more at umcyoungpeople.com. All right, Jeremy, my background is different today, and I have a friend. That is awesome. Uh, Chris Wilterding, we are live on Facebook. Did you realize that when you when you introduced your friend? Yes, I, I was going to make a whole bunch of comments about how I know you've read every book on your shelf like three or four mm-hmm. times. Because Calling me out. Book. Yeah, it's not just yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, for sure. My this special. Is a, this is a particularly compelling volume, the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. Oh, so you know, you if go. you're if you're interested in the roots for uh, for lots, the historical roots for a lot of words from the New Testament, I can tell you right now. Um, one youth but, programmer, one sermon a year, and that thing's paid for itself. You're fine. <laughs> right? Yes. Also, I'm just a super nerd. Well, Chris, Jer- who is your friend? Yeah, let me let me introduce you to my friend. So this is Reverend Brad Lorvik. Uh, Brad and I used to be on the same church staff at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, which is how we got to know each other. Um, and actually, we have stayed friends since being on staff together, which the longer I've been in ministry, I'm learning is not necessarily always the case. So it's actually that really is- awesome. Right. Um, yeah. Friends that you kind of jive with in ministry. And yeah. this is your first time being able to guest uh, on the Youth Worker Recharge. So um, I know you have many titles, Brad, but one of them is locally churched, mm-hmm. uh, local church based. Okay. The other is uh, some titles within the connectional system itself. So do you mind just kind of giving people a hello and yeah. a primer? Yeah, so my name is Brad Lorvik. I use he, him. I'm the United Methodist pastor serving the people of Fort Collins, Colorado. For those of you who don't live in the state, we're, we're an hour north of Denver. And uh, serving the people here alongside First United Methodist Church, a great congregation. Love them. Also love the work we get to do in the community. And your branding is on point, right? Like you're yes, wearing the shirt. I am. Um, right. That's the thing about buying comfy shirts. Three quarter length sleeves. Man, you guys are killing it. Do what we can. Um, so yeah, so, uh, local church work has been, I mean, one of the biggest parts of my call and one of my favorite things to do. I did, uh, serve in youth ministry mm-hmm. as a part of my early career. Um, and then I've also always been the clergy person most connected to our youth ministry work. Even when I was an associate pastor, even now as a lead pastor at a, at a multi-clergy congregation, that's one of the things I call dibs on very quickly. Um, love the work, love the people. Um, and so that's sort of my local work. Um, I am one who has a long history with the denomination, and I've done work at every level. I mean, be that district, conference, jurisdictional, and general. So those are some of the places I've been involved in, always connected to, to both young people's ministry, because I was young at the time I was doing it. And even now, <laughs> sharing the passion for making sure that young people in the church have every opportunity, invitation, if not more than I got. Now, let me Brad, I, I really have an important question. That's all well and good. Lots of really interesting stuff in the United Methodist world, but have you ever been to the International Festival of Christian Puppetry and Ventriloquism? I have not. I generally avoid conventions or conferences that include the word Christian in them because that stuff (laughs) was done about 10 years ago. This this has not been around for a long time. It was in Kankakee, Illinois, and it was as fun as you can imagine a gathering of clown puppetry and ventriloquist people could be from all over the world always fun people i'm regularly glad that 
I came into ministry in a season after clown ministry peaked. Yeah. Like that oh. was the thing. Oof. If you're not familiar with the history of clown ministry and still is a moment, it just, it was not my moment and it was not my mm-hmm. movie. Actually, so one of the other things we're kind of going to go at several different places as we get to know Brad and, and kind of talk about some different connectional opportunities. One of the other pieces that you do um, is on TikTok, right? Yeah. You've got uh, an account called Brad and the Puppets that started mm-hmm. during the pandemic. Um, and Jeremy and I talk with plenty of church leaders who are either a little hesitant, nervous, fill in the adjective about trying new ministries, particularly if they're on emerging technology. Yeah. So TikTok is not necessarily the newest thing anymore. It's been around for several years, really well-established platform. Um, tell us a little bit about Brad and the Puppets and perhaps how you were able to talk about starting that as a ministry expression yeah. with the SPR or the leaders at your church yeah. that you needed to help say, this is worth my time because there are youth ministers out there, right? Yeah. 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 Sure. These creative ideas. And they're like, what are you doing? And they need a little bit of help, not only discerning if it's worthwhile, absolutely, but then also being able to talk about it with leaders at their church to be able to say, yeah, this is worth my time. Um, the short version would be during the pandemic work, we were doing a lot of online ministry and to engage children and young people in the congregation, we and since we couldn't have our traditional Christmas Eve service, we decided to do like an old school Muppet Christmas special as our Chris, online Christmas Eve service for the kids. And I wanted to promo Why it. So, you know what I'll do? I'll go online with some of the puppets and I'll do a little bit of little engagement back and forth and see nothing I did to try to promote Christmas Eve landed at all. Um, going <laughs> on TikTok with an agenda to promote church work didn't land right. for some reason. Shock. I was also doing like Shock. full minute videos and had no clue of how to make things work. Fast forward right. a bit, some puppeteering classes. I got a TikTok coach who guided me through some of the nuance of really being successful and finding and making things work. Mm. Um, fast right. forward a bit. And by the end of it, the end of the story is between TikTok and Instagram, I hit a quarter million people that were following the account and, and engaged in the work I was doing. But even at the beginning, even at the very beginning, when I first, I remember I hit a thousand followers. And and realizing when I when I was doing youth and young adult ministry, watching 12 people walk into a room, I was like, yes, this is a good night. Right. This is great. Um, You know, you do a retreat and you got maybe 50 kids there on a bit. You're like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. When I would do a live and have, you know, six to eight hundred young people sitting there engaging and talking with the puppets. Doing the kind of conversation, you know, like the end of a of a great youth retreat when you're sitting in the circle and people really start sharing some of those things. They're like, here's what's really going on, how I really feel. It's the stuff they don't share right away. Mm-hmm. It takes a while to build the trust and they start engaging. On a TikTok live, folks just sort of jump right into that space. I think some right. of the anonymity of it, I mean, they're like, listen, here's my problem. I'm dealing with this or here's who I am. And my parents aren't accepting it. Here's this yep. relationship. I'm struggling with a friend. It's just right there. And the puppets would sit and would answer. Um, and so even when I was a smaller account, when I sat down with my SPR and my finance chair, and you know, one of my, you know, those guys, I got one of those guys, I was just, I don't know. And I, you know, you'd share a story about one of the questions somebody asked and how you could look at someone, well, through the camera and say, who you are matters, who you are yep. matters. The world is a better place because you're here. You have unique and beautiful things to offer. And we want to offer you the tools to navigate the difficult stuff in life. And, and to get those stories and to get direct messages of, hey, I was on the edge and I was contemplating hurting myself or taking my own life. And you you encouraged me to go get the help I need. Hey, I didn't think I mattered. And now I do. Some of those just little moments to sit down with some of my oldest, my most stuck in the mud people look at me and go, how much more time can you devote to this? Because we'd be OK with that. 
was right. a really so moment. a you sound like a very endearing pastor b but isn't TikTok just a hive of scum and villainy? <laughs> right? Like, what do you, what do you, like, I, I get the like good stories, but like, how do you get past that kind of negative perception outside of the people you can talk to? Right. If you're a youth pastor, this like, this like really pumped about TikToking ministries, um, what's, what do you do with that perception? Right. I, I will say, I think some of the Mr. Rogers-esque aura of what was happening in the space did keep it. Uh-huh. I never, I, yeah. mean, I think I had to block seven people over the course of my first year on TikTok. I uh-huh. didn't get people trolling that hard. There were very random, rare, very rarely were there super negative comments. And uh-huh. when they were, I would address them, hey, that that really hurts. I don't, and you, what's amazing is to watch someone go, oh my God, I didn't realize anybody reads these comments. What, why'd you make it? <laughs> right. That, that accountability, right. like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize there was a real person that would read this and be hurt by it. Well, okay. had an object lesson. Um, some of that was, <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, um, to really talk with folks and name. So this is a hive of scum and villainy. Isn't, isn't that where we're supposed to be? Right. Fair. There's, there's, if, if that, even if that is your perception of it, and sure. I don't, I wouldn't yeah. that as a, sure. a, a true premise of what TikTok is. <clears throat> But even if is that your view of it to say, and I'm going in there to remind folks that they're loved. I'm going right. in there to remind folks that, that who they are matters. I think that's a great place to have that conversation and it will knock people backwards. And they are so surprised by it. Um, when you can authentic, authentically offer that kind of validation in space. Jeremy, right. one of the pieces that I know you and I have done, you know, sort of related to some of the trainings for adolescent development talks about how, Historically, <clears throat> young people are about going where adults are not, right? Right. Like, that's just part of the adolescent journey. And so as you see yeah. the influence of like different, you know, TikToks, platforms, whatever they look like, mm-hmm. there's always that mm-hmm. next coming up because young people are so excited to be in a place where... And now my parents are on Facebook. Bye. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, right. The, they can drive some of the messaging and the boundaries. And it's been a long running conversation in youth ministry about how do you get people excited and engaged in ministry with people that are never going to set foot in your church, yeah. right? That there's this still personal right. thing, I think sometimes that the church building is, you have to come through the front doors of the church to be involved in our ministries. And, and most cynically, how is it yeah. going to fund our future of ministry? There's For some sure. of that question that comes up too, I've bumped into before. Right. I love what you're doing, but how is this going to help us make our budget is, a real that question. kills dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think the other piece is like, um, for whatever reason, uh, and I, you, I'm just sort of showing some of my bias here. Um, church people value like stuff that drives people to a worship service. Now, some churches that are really brilliantly minded even include online worship in that count, though most churches have an online service but don't feel like it counts, right? So, uh, but I this, it sounds like to me, is really a ministry in its own right. So how do you shift church perspective? Because like, to be completely honest, most of the people I know could care less about worship or hymns or preaching. They're not interested. They're not going to come ever at all. And so, um, so like, 
that being the metric for reaching those people for having quote unquote reached those people, it's like, you're just going to fail. You're setting yourself up for failure. So how do you shift the values in a, in a sort of church leadership setting to value the kind of things like views on TikTok as legitimate wins for the church um, in a way that is sort of at least equal to somebody showing up and sitting and listening to boring music and a pretty okay speaker. But if it's you as like the best, like the best Ted talk they've ever heard, of course, but other preachers is what I mean. Right. Well, I, I think, I think narrative is a key piece to be present enough in that kind of space and develop conversations and stories so that when I have people that don't understand it and I can say, so let's talk about the kid who came on and asked X, Y, Z question. And uh -huh. it wasn't something I had enough background with to say, you know what? We've got a lot of people we built relationship with here. Let's look in the comments and see some people who might have lived through this. And to watch mm -hmm. other people off it. I mean, we built a community that cared for one another. They would check back in. Hey, we saw you on Monday and you were dealing with such and such. You could watch these comments roll by. Mm -hmm. It's about always gathering those stories. So that when I would engage in that work, I mean, if nothing else, you could look at folks who have a traditional background of, well, let's go feed the hungry and let's go clothe the naked. You could say, this is a mercy ministry. This is this is people okay. hurting. We're going out there in a way trying to do healing work. That that was mm -hmm. an opportunity as well to help them frame and see it. Um, it also helped that because it was TikTok with the the number of younger people, I found a lot more willingness mm -hmm. because I at least in the church where I was serving at the time in Denver, it was how do we take care of the kids? How how do, how do we do this? Mm -hmm. We see the pain, we see the stats, we know the suicidal ideations are higher than ever, the self harm, the, all these other pieces. We don't even know where to start. And if I could say, well, I've got several thousand of them I see every week, and I'm doing my best to remind them that they're okay that they're going to be okay, that they're loved. Mm -hmm. That helped right. a lot of people get on board. Cool. I'm going to shift gears for half a second mm -hmm. as well. So um, <laughs> it, it's interesting when you talk about story and the, the mm -hmm. importance of being able to communicate well why you do the things that you do mm -hmm. and the engagement and the connection that your activity and energy creates, right? So one of the other current titles that you happen to have is Secretary for the Western Jurisdiction of the United Methodist Church. Yeah, and either no one knows what that means or their eyes glazed over. One of the two things just happened. That's exactly what I was going to say. I fell asleep before you yeah. finished his title. <laughs> so structurally, right, like the United Methodist Church is um, reasonably complicated. There's many layers to kind of the administration and the creation of the church. You're involved not only at the local level, which is the heartbeat of the church, in my opinion, right? If there is no local church, then there is no connection with anything else. And so what's the point? And yet, here you've got healthy local churches that lead to some of these other larger connectional bodies. When I say that you're the secretary of the Western jurisdiction, how would you help somebody understand what that role is and what that means for the church? Mm -hmm. Well, the Western jurisdiction is, I mean, the entire Western United of uh, United States. Mm -hmm. It's um, and that group gets together to look at what ministry is like. I will say, I think regionalization offers us a gift in that we share a lot of similar experiences. Being in ministry, even the West is very diverse, but throughout the Western U.S., it's different than being in ministry in Georgia or Pennsylvania or New York or Kansas, right? And so we have that yeah. chance to be together and share best practices and experiences in ways. That if I sat down with folks from all over the country or even all around the world, someone would say, this is what works for us. And I'd look and be like, that's never going to work here. Yeah. 
But when I said I have a higher likelihood of getting good information. So I love that we convene in those ways and build those networks. I also appreciate when you're the one person in your area that has a specific passion, you know, like, man, I love doing, I'd love doing work for young adults with, you know, with this need, or I love, you know, whatever your piece is, chances are there's someone like that in other places too. And like a jurisdiction gives me a space to find a handful of other people that share the thing that I thought I was alone with. Mm -hmm. And I've always loved helping bring that together so that we can let people share Mm -hmm. their uniqueness and find others to then help grow and build it. That's a beautiful and powerful thing. Um, I mean, but the most basic level, it's also where we elect our bishops. And so when we talk about a jurisdiction, when I think about my most amazing moments in ministry, and mind you, that's not even just as an appointed person, because the bishops who throws me around wherever I go. I mean, even when I was a youth, having a bishop that she and her husband biked up into the mountains on a tandem bike and rolled into our youth event, and she spent the weekend staying in a room like a normal youth, like a normal youth leader would up there. Not the special cabin. Not you know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes you're like, oh, and now yeah. leaving after swinging in for 20 minutes to go stay in there yeah. for an hour. She, we, that, we elect bishops like that there. We elect the kind of people that we could be present with. And so that's always been a key value for me. I, my first jurisdictional conference, I was still a young adult. Um, and creating space when I'm a part of that team to help make sure that we we have those voices present and are looking for things that help us shape what our churches and pastors and events can be because of that leadership. I think those things matter a lot. Yeah. Really yeah. Me, uh, and Jeremy, I'll, I'll be quick so you can jump right back in is that, you know, when we, when we think about big structural stuff, we're, we're sort of living, especially in the U.S., in this cultural moment where we tend to forget that we can make a bigger impact when we do things together. Um, and jurisdictional gatherings, conference, this, these are the things that bring us together to help put energy behind particular movements or uh, values that we have, right? Like there are uh, policies that the United Methodist Church will create. There's, you know, decisions that the church makes about the way that it runs and the way that it makes choices. And these are the places that those decisions happen. And you being in the position that you are can really be one of the voices to help look around a table and say, whose voice isn't here? Who are we missing? And and whose voice is there that I get to learn from in a special way? Like the Interethnic Coordinating Committee for the Western Jurisdiction is an incredible group of people that come from places that I've not lived, from life experiences I will never know. And they bring a wisdom to the table that diversifies the image of God. Yeah. I mean, going back to that, that, that idea that when we embrace diversity, we embrace God, that I see more of that throughout my jurisdictional connection because it's bigger than my own lived experience. Yeah. And Jeremy, hop right back in. Sorry, I didn't mean to... Yeah, no, and uh, you know, I think um, I think it's important. Um, I, I, so I've I've served in the Western jurisdiction and in the southeastern jurisdiction, um, and uh, and and I know that that those juris- all the jurisdiction things are. Um, are, it's very different culturally in all these different places. Um, and a lot of times the jurisdiction really spends almost all of its time in administration, right? There's very little stuff that a, a random person can be part of. And so I wonder for someone who says, I, I don't know, I am at um, Santa Clara uh, United Methodist Church in California, and I really would like to be able to learn from people in Colorado. Um, we we have 
technically we are connected through the jurisdiction. Um, how do they go about finding the kinds of things that they actually can connect and not just uh, hear a report that was given at a conference that nobody they know attended? And that's where I think some of our structure lets people down and fails people. Because my guess is if I'm that person, or even right now, if I wanted to find someone in California, I'm going to call the person I do know in California and say, who else do you know in California that I can, t-? it's going to, it's going to be that relational network. It is. Um, and, and I think that can create an insider outsider network then too, of like, well, people who go to the jurisdictional stuff know the other jurisdictional, but we have to be careful about that. Um, well, yeah. And I mean, like how, what, where does somebody go? Like, uh, there's a youth worker who's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I want to, Mm-hmm. I, we're going to head to Colorado for whatever reason. And like, how, how do they make those connections? Like they don't know anybody in Colorado, but they know that they were supposedly supposed to have a connection. How do they access that connection? Um, personally, I start conference level, right? And I talk to somebody in my conference and say, who's your counterpart mm-hmm. in this other conference? That's what, you know, who's, I talk to my youth, young adult person in Mountain Sky and I say, who does youth, young adults out in CalPAC? And that's always been a, a bridge. Um, I mean, going to a jurisdictional website and finding out who helps coordinate something for the jurisdiction can also always be a nice piece. I know um, discipleship ministries has people located regionally, right? Mm-hmm. Those are those are options and ways to say, like, great. Now, since you're the person out in this neck of the woods, who all would you suggest I talk to? I mean, I think those are nice points. Um, we used to work with someone who always talked about the church is like a net, and every once in a while, you need someone who can pick it up and go like this and watch all the parts that are actually connected. Um, and I and I think some of those points when we're doing our job well is that moment of saying, see how we're all connected and here's where you tie together. Right. That that was one of my favorite images, actually. It, it was an image of a fishing net, right? And it was one that um, wasn't necessarily finished. There was always another place to be able to weave someone new in. Because um, part of the, the, I think the last question I might have, and it might have to be kind of a quick answer because I know we're, we're well, running up against our time. But um when we're talking about on-ramps for this kind of stuff as well, when we talk about systemic problems or things that we struggle with sometimes, young people not only learning about the leadership opportunities that are out there, but the leadership development pipelines that may or may not exist to help expose uh, and, and build experience yeah. with young people in these settings is really tough sometimes. So from somebody that is serving at a jurisdictional level, if you had someone that was like, you know what, I'm really interested and would love to learn how to serve in this way. Can you give them a couple of steps for where they might start? Is it contacting the Episcopal office? Is it talking to their bishop? Some of my earliest work at that kind of level at the church was just that. It's telling the bishop, hey, I want to, oh, how can I support what we're doing? And those conversations were really important. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think yeah. you know, volunteering is a great way to get connected and involved. Right. Like if someone in our jurisdiction was like, I want to know more and be involved, I was like, great, I could use an assistant to the secretary. Let's have you be a part of this. Like those kinds of invitations people gave to me. And I would say to any of us in leadership at any level, when someone shows a hint of interest, we have to be saying, how do you want to be a part? Let me see your gifts where we can help you develop and grow them. And if we aren't looking around all the time asking that question, we're not building building what Christ wants for the church. That is a tremendous. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, between puppetry, TikTok, and jurisdictional secretary duties, uh, this has been one of that that too. This has been one of our most diverse and different conversations we've ever had on the youth worker recharge. So thank you so much for being with us. (laughs) You're very specific. (laughs) 
The question I didn't get to ask you live while we're recording was, uh, did you stop doing youth ministry because it was too hard? But we can talk about that one. Right. Because there's a lot of people out there that get into being senior pastors because they're like, this, this is, is true. It's too tough. I'm going to go do something else. Too hard. I got to go. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, thank you for the time this morning. Brad, thank you for the time this morning. Glad to get to be with you all. And thank you to all the, the who are listening and for what you do every day.